Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and this episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Certified Piedmontese. I have a great offer for you, so stick around later in the episode. I want to get that to you. But first, let's get to my guest today. We're going back into the world of pizza with today's guest. So, Omaha has literally hundreds of pizza restaurants, so it is almost impossible to bring something new to the pizza scene, something that Omaha hasn't seen before. But that is exactly what my guest today did at the beginning of 2020 when he introduced Omaha to the brilliance that is Detroit-style pizza. And when he did so, my pizza-eating life would never be the same. Mike Barstow, the owner of Backlot Tap House, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So I love all pizza, and I've long been a subscriber to the belief that New York-style pizza is the best. And I still might hold that. But if there's one style of pizza that causes me to lose, a, to doubt that conviction, to lose a little bit of confidence, it is Detroit-style pizza. <laughs> and I think, you know, a lot of people listening to this right now are going, well, what is Detroit-style? That is a question that you've answered probably 10,000 times since times. you opened. Yeah. So we're going to go in a little bit different direction. I think that there are... Rather than ask you that question again, I think that there are four kind of defining qualities to Detroit-style pizza, and I kind of want to ask you more about those and kind of break it down that way. Does that sound good? It works for me. Okay. I want to start with my personal favorite part. What I really think sets Detroit-style apart is that caramelized crust. How, How do you achieve that, and what does that do to the pie? So... Yeah, so that's the signature calling card of Detroit-style pizzas. You see immediately that that caramelized edge, which, you know, some people mistake if they haven't seen it before is, oh, this pizza looks burnt or whatever it is. And then you take a bite of it and you realize, no, that is caramelized cheese kind of enveloping the entire pizza. But the, you know, how you attain that is it starts with the pan. So, you know, to give a little bit of history on the Detroit-style pizza, the... what makes it kind of so unique is the pan it's cooked in, right? So it's this square kind of rectangle... Um, blue steel pan that the history of them is pretty cool that they're the same pans you know the legend has it it was they're on the lines of the the car factories in Detroit somebody brought it home and they pushed basically the Sicilian focaccia type dough into it and started making pizzas Um, so you get this pan is very specific that allows for that that caramelized cheese ring to happen and then you know the cheese makeup as well it's Wisconsin brick and you know some people throw in a little bit of mozzarella for its melting qualities to help get a little bit more coverage on there but by using a Wisconsin brick cheese, it's kind of a higher higher fat content cheese. And what that does is as it hits temperature and starts cooking, the the fat from the cheese starts kind of running down the sides of the pan and, you know, encapsulates the, you know, the edges of all fours there and caramelizes the cheese, creating almost a, once it's removed from the pan, you see kind of the crown of the caramelized cheese kind of go around it. And that is the, you know, that's the part that people fall in love with. Mm-hmm. If you've never had Detroit style, imagine like eating a pan of brownies and like there's that outer <laughs> edge on the brownies. It has like that little bit of crisp. It's kind of like that on a pizza. It is. And you, that, not to cut you off, as no, we were go, doing go. our, when we were originally, you know, this is a small thing, but how we were going to cut the pizzas, right? And uh, the place that I always grew up going back in Detroit was uh, Buddy's Pizza and you could get, you know, a large version and you'd cut it in strips and you'd have you know, four pieces with the two corners and you'd have a couple in the middle that everyone kind of avoided those and you try and stake out your four corners. So when we did it is, you know, we wanted to have, since that is the best part and the calling card was, you know, each piece, each pizza is cut into four equal pieces with two sides of the crust so that, you know, nobody gets stuck with those pieces they don't want in the middle or whatever it is. You're always getting kind of maximum (laughs) edges there. I love that you guys would fight for the, fight for the supreme pieces. Well, you did such a good job breaking it down there. And I'm so glad that you highlighted that that crust is not burnt. Because so often when I will post pictures or, you know, uh, or, or show people my pictures of Backlot um, Tap House's pizza, they'll be like, well, that looks kind of burnt. And it's it's not. I mean, it it is, it's definitely crispier. There's definitely a caramelization and, and a little bit more crunch. But there's no, there's not like that acidic burnt burnt flavor at all Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of a little 
sweet might be a little bit too strong, but there's a hint of sweetness no, there, is there a too. Bit, yeah. 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 And I think that's, you know, that comes with anything if you're bringing something new to, to an area. Right. So I grew up having, you know, my family's from Detroit, all my grandparents, aunts, uncles, everyone's back there. So it was growing up, we'd go to Detroit and get buddy's pizza was the original one. Um, so I knew what it was and grew up with it and bringing it here. You know, it's a little bit of those, you know, just educating people. They come in and have never heard of it. It was, you know, just a couple of years ago before people even started hearing kind of Detroit style pizza, just even as a style for the first time. Now it's, you know, pizza, it has Detroit style pizza and, you know, that doesn't Caesar, count quote, yeah. quote unquote <laughs> quote Detroit style pizza, but it's starting to get a little more. People have heard the term a little more familiar, familiar with it and learning about it, which, you know, kind of helps with that education process. But it was, you know, we're, we're still relatively, you know, new into this. We're two years in and we got almost two years in, we were running for about a month and a half before COVID kind of changed the whole world and kind of shifted. So we're, you know, a lot of the people we're getting now are still first time people discovering us, you know, two years down the line that are, you know, life is somewhat maybe coming back and they're moving around a little bit and rediscovering us, which is fun to kind of rehab these conversations again with people and help explain why we love this pizza and why we think it's so good. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the second of the four defining qualities that I wanted to bring up was that Wisconsin brick cheese, and you already kind of yeah. touched on it. You beat me to they, the punch. They all go hand in hand. Right. I, I don't know, like, if you know this necessarily, but, like, what was the history? Why was that, when mozzarella is so popular on pizza, why was that cheese employed on these Detroit-style pizzas? You know, I think the, the Wisconsin, it was kind of a product. The guy who started... Detroit's the first guy who ever made it. His name was Gus, and it was like his wife's mom's recipe from Sicily that kind of developed this pizza. And he was he was a bar owner that originally didn't have any food and was kind of struggling and was like, we need to add something, and came home. And it was, you know, kind of looked to his wife on, hey, how can we, let's maybe come up with something to put in the restaurant. And she was like, well, my mom's got this recipe for this Sicilian-style pizza. Let's press in the pan and kind of start making it. And, I, you know, the legend basically was, it was almost happenstance, like, they had Wisconsin brick cheese and they're in Detroit and it's the Midwest. And it was like, that's what we're making it with and use something a little bit different. And then, you know, the qualities of it obviously catered towards, um, you know, I think in those early days, not that everything's like an accident, but it kind of comes together and people are like, Oh, this is kind of good. It works, like why yeah. did, why did this work? And you start digging into it and like, okay, the reason why this worked is because it's this higher fat content. And it's um, a little bit different than what most people had been tasting on you know, what was pizza at that time back? This is post-World War II, kind of when it got going. So mid to late 40s. Mm-hmm. All right. Defining quality number three is the dough. And the dough, it's it's just, it's special. It's it's kind of like a Sicilian, like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. in that it's a little bit thicker, but it's it's not so thick. Like so often I hear people compare deep dish and Detroit style, and I really don't understand because they're not the same at all. Like Detroit style is slightly thicker, but that's about where the comparison ends. It's more so like a chewy, buttery, like elastic focaccia bread than it is the soup casserole thing. Yeah, so you nailed it. You know, I've touched on a little bit. The easiest way that I explain it to people is that it is kind of a focaccia style type base and that's how you get the you know the porous airy kind of thing there and the way the reason that the way that that's achieved is it's a really high hydration uh, dough when you're you know after we double proof and everything you end up at like a 70 percent hydration which is a lot higher than you know kind of a new york style where you're not getting really much of a rise or anything like that and you know true detroit style pizza is kind of the rule of thumb is like it should be an inch to an inch and a half thick and the only way that's possible is by having that high hydration and getting that that double proof to be able to let that that crust kind of rise but where the dough is a great canvas for some of the fun things we get to do it down at the tap house with our you know whether it's our detroit or the um, tap house pizza with our beer cheese on it or kind of playing around with some heavier toppings we just did a um a poutine pizza for the month of january and things like that is because you have that thick base you know, you don't have to worry about kind of the, you know, the, the, the New York flop where you can't put crazy toppings on there without it falling apart. We can have, it's this really cool base that allows you to have a lot of fun with maybe unique flavor, you know, combinations or toppings or things like that that you might not be able to have with kind of some other pizza doughs. You know, I'd never even thought about that before as a customer. You guys, I mean, you do load on the toppings and put all kinds of crazy stuff yeah. on there, but the pizza, it, like it doesn't wilt at all. It's very right. sturdy. Just another reason to love it. <laughs> And then the last defining quality, I think, is that the sauce is on top. Almost every other pizza I've ever seen goes dough, sauce, and then either 
toppings and cheese or cheese and toppings. You can reverse those mm-hmm. if you want to. What's the benefit of putting the sauce on top of everything else versus as that base layer on top of the dough? So the original pizza was they do the, you know, not all the toppings, but if you get like our Detroit classic, for instance, the, you know, the pepperonis, there's a layer of pepperoni right on top of the dough. And then the cheese goes on top of that. Then a second layer, it's 50 pepperonis and put the sauce on top there. And the reason why you have, you know, some of the toppings under the cheese, which then leads to the sauce on top of that is it allows during the baking process, kind of the flavor of that pepperoni and the grease from it to really kind of, you know, work its way more into the dough and get that, get that, get that flavor kind of throughout the entire, you know, slice there as opposed to just on the topper gathering. And, you know, again, I don't know what the exact history was on why they chose to put it on top the first time. Um, But, you know, they've got, some people talk about the original thing, they call it like the red top or the things like that, where it's, it looks like almost a black top Detroit cars, you know, two racing stripes of sauce. We do guys, ours more of a splatter, but it's, everyone's kind of doing the same sort of thing where it's, you know, the, the main purpose is you let that flavor of the cheese and toppings really work themselves into the dough. And, you know, the sauce is a big part of it, obviously, but you know, that's kind of the kicker and you don't want that to take away from that caramelized cheese crust, which is the real, you know, home run of the entire pizza and kind of letting those things, you know, each, each of those parts that you're talking about each kind of speak for themselves or have their own moment as you're eating it. Mm -hmm. I think kind of an added benefit that I just thought about right now is, you know, we were mentioning that it, this is a porous dough. Mm -hmm. It's, it's light. It's kind of like focaccia. I actually just had a focaccia sandwich for lunch and it didn't have any sauce or anything on it. And I think if it would have had by the way, shout out to Lola's best, <laughs> best focaccia there is. If it would have had like a mayo or a mustard or something on that focaccia and it just would have seeped down in there, I think it would have detracted. It would mm-hmm. have kind of um, made the bread soggy or something. So maybe there's something to that as well in that you're preserving that really porous, just nice fluffy dough by not ladling a sauce that could seep into it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, any show or something like that. We're giving each person, each uh, each component of the pizza its spot to shine and <laughs> kind of do their thing. And, yeah, to your point, you know, don't oversaturate the dough or take away from the caramelized cheese crust by running sauce over that or whatever it is. You kind of let each each little part of it have its, have its uh, space. I love it. Okay, so to reiterate, those were, in my, in my view, by my research and what I've experienced, the caramelized crust, the Wisconsin brick cheese, the, the chewy... Um, porous dough, and then the sauce on top of the pizza. Is there anything that I missed? Are there any other defining qualities of Detroit-style pizza you want to hit on? Those are kind of the, the core four. The only other one is, so I went out when we were getting ready to do this, went out to Detroit and trained with uh, his world pizza you know, champion. His name was Sean Randazzo, and he's the guy who kind of put Detroit-style pizza on the map back in 2012. He was down in Las Vegas and won um, gold medal at this International Pizza Expo, which was insane to people at the time. So picture, you know, it's this pizza festival of people all over the world coming in and it's your, you know, the guys from Italy and, you know, people who are rooted in the classics and doing all these things. And this guy comes down from Detroit, was a, he was a delivery driver for one of the original Detroit things, made this pizza and it won the gold medal. And everyone was like, who, what is, we've wow. never seen this before. And he kind of took off and started helping um, kind of push the cause and educate the country and help other restaurants and things like that with Detroit style pizza. So when we were getting ready to open it, um, I was like, well, let's go out here and kind of train with this guy and learn from him. I went out there and those were, he had a total of five. It was those four. And then the fifth one was that it was just square in shape. So you weren't too far off. It was, <laughs> you get those four is kind of the core of it. And then as long as it's square, you've, ch- you've ticked all your boxes and you're good to call yourself Detroit style pizza. Love it. All right. So now that we've defined the pizza itself, I want to get into your background and the background of your restaurants, because so far I've only mentioned Backlot Tab House, you also have Backlot Pizza and Kitchen. I want to yep. uh, emphasize that as well. But I want to start with you. You mentioned you grew up in Detroit and you... So I grew up here, or I originally grew up in Plattsmouth. My whole family's from Detroit, though. So both my okay. parents are from Detroit originally. And dad was in the Air Force, so I've got two older siblings. And we were all born in different states. Older sister was South Carolina, then Mississippi. Then I was the one that was born here in Omaha when they were at off at Air Force Base. And so... While I grew up here, it was, like I said, both big families all back in Detroit. So it was frequent um, road trips and things like that back and forth there. And it was always, you know, when you were there, you had to go to buddies. Mm-hmm. Now, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe when I met you previously and we've had previous conversations, 
You dreamed of opening your own pizza pizza joint someday, right? Yeah, I think always growing up. So our family, we've also got, I don't know if you know, movie theater. So Xarban Cinema is, is my family's, and that's kind of where we got our start was uh, one screen theater in Plaza, Nebraska, the Ritz Theater, and kind of bounced around small towns doing movie theaters. And then, you know, as the company matured and I got older and all of us started gravitating more towards kind of that food and beverage, you know, space of it was where I was really interested in. And, you know, I love pizza. Who doesn't like pizza? I think our, you talked about at the beginning is I'm also a firm believer that there's no such thing as like bad pizza. There's just some pizzas better than others. Right. And, you know, I think no matter wherever we went, it was getting pizza. And, you know, that was kind of a logical one was I wanted to, I knew I wanted to open up my own restaurant or my own business or something. And when the opportunity came around, it was, okay, well, what should we do? And was trying to find something that nobody was really doing. And it was like, well, this would be a kind of a cool kind of niche thing we could drop in um, something that we we know a lot about and are familiar with that nobody else has really had the privilege of experiencing here outside of you know other Detroit pl- transplants who I'm still shocked at the number of people who wander into either backlot tap house or backlot pizza and kitchen is like oh I'm from whatever and it ended up being you know a couple streets over from where my parents grew up and it was you know this is just as good as I remember I'm so glad you're here and it's always fun to kind of see those little stories and hear from people like that but um I don't know. It was just kind of, kind of stars aligned on this opportunity popped up, and it was searching for what to do. And pizza seemed like the it's my favorite food, so it made sense. I, I guess I mean it's one thing to say I, I love Detroit style pizza. You know, I I've had great experiences at, at Buddy's. Like this has been something important to my family. To say I'm going to be the one to bring. Detroit style pizza to Omaha like this this completely new thing I'm gonna get asked all the time what is Detroit style what is Detroit style what made you confident that yes I'm gonna be the one who's gonna introduce this thing that's super important to my family and to so many people that I know to an entire new community yeah that's a good question I think it's like I said we grew up I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family with movie theaters and everyone involved in there and I think it was kind of a you know, I wanted to do something in that same vein. And I think it just kept coming back to is this is something that I thought was so good and was crazy that nobody else really knew about it. Even, even people in Detroit didn't realize what Detroit style pizza was until like three, four years ago. And they started seeing like, what, what are you guys talking about? And then you say, Oh, it's like buddies. And it's, Oh, that's Detroit style pizza. Okay. I get it. Um, But no, I think it's just that I think when, you know, with anyone, if you have something that you really love or you really like or love doing it, you want to share it with other people, right? And I think that's ultimately what it came down to was we had gone out there to learn how to make this pizza and it was, it was so good and we had so much fun doing it and, um, you know, just want to get the word out and help share that and show people kind of a little bit of, you know, my family's, you know, where we came from and what it was, you know, parents grew up with and family and things like that. And it's, it's been fun experience. What were you doing before the opportunity to open back lot? Like w- when you decided, hey, I- I'm I'm going to do this Detroit style thing. What were you doing before that? So kind of at the time, I was just you know working with the family business. We were growing. We've got you know at that time the new project out in Gretna, the ACX Cinema Twelve Plus with the backlot pizza and kitchen. We're we're in development already. Um, so just helping out a lot with that, and then the space out front of Exarvin Cinema became available, and you know had a good relationship with kind of our landlord there and was talking to him and was like, maybe I could try and put something together. And then they just kind of started the, the wheels of working on it. But, um, you know, like I said, it was working kind of in developing it, it, the way they opened up doesn't really match like the development process of it. So backlot pizza and kitchen was kind of a concept before backlot tap house was, even though it opened up two years, you know, a year and a half afterwards. Um, we've been working on that menu at already and started kind of that process and learning the, the Detroit style pizza. And then when the space opened, it was like, well, let's just, let's make it really simple and pull it way back and kind of slide something kind of cool, unique into the village. Um, and that's kind of where Backlot Tap House was born on. Let's go, you know, a really tight menu on. We just want to focus on, on the pizza and kind of our loaded fries and then package it in this cool tap house where we can lean heavily into, um, you know, what is a insanely good local beer scene now that we have in Omaha that, you know, just, 10 years ago didn't exist five years ago didn't exist at the level it does now and allowed us to kind of you know who doesn't like pizza and beer and if you can marry the two and um, we always joke that we liked our you know our pizza from 313 and our beer from the 402 and those are the two different area codes and it was we could pair those up and 
you know, the Detroit style pizza is a very, um, you know, the history of it is a very working class type pizza, right? I mean, the pans came off the, the car factory lines that were holding different parts of cars and somebody pressed pizza dough into it and made this really cool thing. And I think that that ties really good to Omaha, who I think has that same sort of vibe, not that we have like a chip on our shoulder in Omaha, but it is a little bit, you know, I don't think outside of Omaha, you tell people or whatever and maybe don't understand, you know, I think you're doing a great job with the stuff you're doing is like our food scene here is pretty amazing for a city like Omaha to have what they have. And, you know, that extends beyond there. And ultimately it is this working class city that has this really cool vibe where you're, you know, it's not a, you know, from like an innovation standpoint, whether it's restaurants or, you know, you name it, we have some really cool things here. And I think it just kind of all played into that on, we knew this would work and we knew people would buy into it because it is a cool story. And, um, we joke like our, our theater background is, you know, very entertainment focused. Everything we do is it's about the story and it's about the, you know, the experience of what you want to offer. And I think everything that we have always done or want to do, it has to have that hook, right? You have to be able to sell it. And in order to sell it, you have to have a cool story behind it. I think that's where Detroit style pizza fit in. There was, it is a very personal thing to us, but then it also has this story that is, you know, crazy just like the legend of it is really cool on how it started and where it ended up now and when you package all that together it's it's hard to you know it's rare to find someone where it's like they just don't understand it or don't like it or hate it it's it kind of all goes together right i think it's it's one of those foods where the backstory only adds to it Mm -hmm. more like you you can eat the food and you can appreciate and be like hey this tastes great and then once you start hearing about the origins and why the specific cheese was used mm-hmm. and how they use these pans from the factories, you're just like, this is freaking cool. Like, you know, I think today too, as a restaurant, you've got to, you've got to be unique. I think the old days of it used to be every restaurant had to have something for everyone. The new world, you know, exploded that whole mentality of, no, you don't. You can do one thing that you really want to do well and then just be, you know, if you want to try style pizza, you know where to go in Omaha and, you know, you want to go have a really nice steak dinner or whatever, understand you're not coming to me and (laughs) I wouldn't come to me either for that. Um, Like even in the village alone, you've got, uh, we've got Godfather's Pizza Us, you've got Noli's over in the inner rail. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's, they're all wildly different, right? They're all very different experiences. And to your point of, you know, that story adds to it. Once I get you in there, I can tell you about it. And I can also tell you how much I love Noli's and you know, if I'm at home and want to order a pizza, I'm probably ordering Godfathers. All three of us can coexist in the space because they're all different and we all do something very unique or different from one another. When I visit restaurants now, I want them to have a unique point of view. I want there to be something about that restaurant that I am probably not going to find, if not anywhere else in Omaha, at only a couple other spots in Omaha. So like if you're just serving like chicken sandwiches and a pork chop and like stuff like that. Like you're probably not getting me in the door. If you're saying I have this new type of pizza that has these unique qualities that has this really cool backstory. Oh, and I have, I think you guys have almost 30 taps and most of them have local beer. That's what's going to get me in the door. Now those are unique selling points that no one else can offer me all in one space. Yeah. And no, that's what we wanted to set out to do. And I think, you know, extending beyond that too, doing things, you know, we do, um, trivia a couple times every month. We've got like a romantic comedy one this week, but, uh, you know, partner with Exarban Cinema next door and try and tie it with whatever big new release or things like that. But it's doing a lot of fun things like that where you're just creating a social space. We've got board games around the place with the beer and, um, you know, just trying to make it a place that's fun to go hang out to where it's, you might not know, you know, if you're going to the village, you just know that that's a place where I can go and hang out and have fun, whether I'm, eating pizza or maybe I'm just getting a thing of fries to share and play a board game and have a couple of beers, have be able to have those different experiences within that space. As long as it's a fun place to go hang out and to your point, you know, something unique about it that, you know, you can't get anywhere else and you're there for that reason. Mm-hmm. Now you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to dive into it deeper. You became certified in Detroit style pizza by taking those classes under Sean Randazzo mm-hmm. at the Detroit pizza company in 2019 just from a broad scale, because I have no idea what this is. Like, what does pizza school look like? What does that entail? So the, he's got a pretty good gig where basically we would go out there and we pay him, you know, to help us kind of work through this whole process. But then it just kind of turns into like day three and you're like, I'm just kind of working in your pizza shop for you. Uh, but no, that it was it was a really fun experience. And 
you know, it was the first day it was broken up over a couple of days and, you know, he would take parts of it. So you would show up and it would be, you know, cause to make Detroit style pizza is kind of a labor intensive process. So you're making all of your dough basically the day before, and then you're letting it, you know, proof in the fridge overnight. And then you're bringing it out the next morning. Then you're portioning it out into your pans and letting it proof further and then pressing the dough down, you know, by hand into all the corners and starting to prep those things. So it's a long process to go through there. So it was, you know, first day we show up and, um, you know, don't really know what we're doing, have made, you know, some pizza at home, but not to this scale or under, you know, at that level. And he just was very good and kind of goes step by step and helps walk you through it on. All right. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to make, you know, tomorrow's dough at that point. So go through that whole process, walks you through it. Um, little things starting to learn on, you know, when you're mixing the dough in the mixer, which I think you came in really early on at Tap House and was kind of going through that same sort of workflow with us. And it was, you know, learning things on, you know, what is the color that you're kind of shooting for, you know, that as an indicator that, okay, maybe this is ready to go. Or when you grab it and start pulling it up, what is the, you know, how much stretch do you want in there? And kind of learning those little things, you know, to look for ultimately, you know, with any food, it's a science, right? And, um, you know, I make pizza for a living. I'm not a scientist. So if I can just, <laughs> someone can boil it down and make it really easy. Uh, you figure out some of those things you're just following along. And then, you know, from there we would go into, you know, the right way to, to stretch the dough into the corners without kind of tearing it or, you know, pushing it down to where you're not getting the same rise. So it's a lot of just, like I said, it was just kind of working his pizza shop for him as if we were a new employee and kind of coaching us through the whole process. But it was, he was amazing and, um, he's helped, you know, a ton of places, you can find him search his name on the internet, but he'd, he'd helped consult on restaurants from like Australia to all over the U S into, um, I think he's, there's one in like Saudi Arabia and all these random places you wouldn't expect have reached out to him to learn how to make Detroit style pizza and are doing it all over the world. And kind of a pretty cool thing that he was able to, you know, help bring Detroit style pizza and recognition of it throughout the world right now. Mm-hmm. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about our sponsor, Certified Piedmontese. Now, it's common to hear the phrase, fat is flavor. I know I've said it more than a few times, and often it holds true, but that's just not the case with Certified Piedmontese. Piedmontese beef is far leaner than most breeds, which actually allows you to taste the incredible, rich flavor of the beef instead of just fat. Plus, it's good for you. Certified Piedmontese beef maintains prime-grade tenderness with just a fraction of the fat, calories, and saturated fat. Trust me, for someone who eats out as much as I do, it's nice to get a break from the gut bomb meals. If you're ready to savor steak or burgers without feeling weighed down for the rest of the day, head to Piedmontese.com and save 25% off on your order with my promo code HOPPEN. That's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, on piedmontese.com or over the phone at 1-800-414-3487. Certified Piedmontese proves fat and flavor don't have to go hand in hand. And now, back to my guest. Now, your family, you mentioned, very entrepreneurial family, you owned theaters. So you had some background in knowing what it's like to run a business, or at least to, to be a part of running a business but not necessarily a restaurant. I mean, there there's crossover there, but there are also a lot of new things that right. you have to learn at the restaurant. At what point did you feel comfortable? Like in the restaurant creation process, did you start to feel comfortable? Like, okay, I'm starting to figure this out. I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> um, no, I think it's a, you know, ultimately whether, whether it's movie theater, like you said, there's always the parallels and, you know, we're all in the business of, you know, delivering an experience or, you know, customer service or, giving something, giving someone a reason to come visit you and hang out with you. And, you know, those are the core, core values. And if that's your, your North star, the thing that you're focusing on and striving for the other stuff, yeah, you learn along the way. And, you know, definitely we did not see, you know, a situation like COVID coming in. Like I said, it was six weeks after we opened. Now all of a sudden we're in this entire new world. Um, but from a perspective of kind of being a new, you know, entrepreneur and learning this business and what's going on, you know, a kind of a, pressure cooker of situation to force you to kind of, you know, learn the value of being able to pivot quickly and be agile and, you know, find what you want to do and stick to that and push on certain things. Um, kind of the crash course we've gotten over the last 18 months has been, you know, I don't, I don't think you can learn that in any other way from problem solving to, you know, I think we're all dealing with the same sort of, sort of issues and, you know, nobody's, you know, nobody's really worse off than other people or things like that. We're all dealing with whether it's, labor or food costs or supply chain and all those other things 
if you just, you surround yourself with smart people, I think one of the things that, you know, I've always done in our company was, you know, surround yourself with smart people who are typically smarter than you at things. And if I can't figure something out and I've got somebody that I can call who's had that same experience or ran through it before, and I trust them and can take their advice, you know, that's the easiest way to get through and tackle each one of these problems is just stay focused on it and find someone who's smarter than you to figure it out. <laughs> that's gr- great advice. Very easy for me to do. Lots of people smarter than me <laughs> out there. So let's talk about some specific pizzas. Backlot Tap House offers 12 signature pizzas, including you know, you know some, some pretty basic ones like the combo, the veggie. You mentioned the yep. Detroit Classic earlier, which is my personal favorite. But you've also got some pretty unique pizzas like the Uptown, which has goat cheese and a balsamic redu- reduction, and the Tap House, which you mentioned earlier, grilled chicken, bacon, and then that creamy beer cheese mm-hmm. sauce. As you're preparing to open, how did you develop the menu? Uh, so a lot of uh, basically, you know, my friends will attest would bring people over and, hey, I'm going to make pizza for you. And you'd be shocked at the number of friends that agree to do that and come over. Um, <laughs> but no, it's just a lot of that trial and error. I think the, the Uptown one was, you know, I'd been around other places and really gravitated towards that flavor palette of, you know, the salty prosciutto with kind of the balsamic reduction. And when you take that and put it on top of the, you know, the, the brick cheese and the, you know, focaccia type bread, you get this really kind of salty and savory sort of thing. And it's insanely good, but, you know, a couple iterations and figuring out what that was going to be um, was mostly just, you know, it was a pizza that I liked from other places. It was like, well, I want to recreate that, but on, the Detroit style pizza. I hadn't seen it on Detroit style pizza. And then the, you know, the tap house one, uh, you know, with, with the influence of the beer in our space and what we were doing, it was, we had a, we wanted to have obviously a beer cheese within there. And it was originally, we weren't going to have the beer cheese on any of the pizzas. And then we were like, well, why that's silly. We should obviously have the beer cheese on the pizzas and just try to come up with what is a, you know, not a, what is like a warm, you know, pizza that if you're, if it's a cold day in Omaha or whatever, and you're having a beer, what is something that goes Stick well with that? Stick to and it's, your ribs toppings. Yeah, and it's, well, let's just throw chicken, who doesn't like bacon, and then just cover it in beer cheese and call it a day. And <laughs> turns out we tried it, and it was everyone's, one of their favorite ones on the first kind of test, taste kitchens we were doing. To your point, you've got the normal ones, your combos, your pepperoni, you know, generally people know what those flavor combinations taste like, and it was fun to do. Maybe something a little bit more unique. Now, maybe that same just trial and error technique plays into the question I'm going to ask next, but you guys also offer, if it's not every month, it's close to every month, a new mash pizza, yeah. what you call it, is like a special. So just some examples that you've done over the past couple months. You mentioned the poutine one. You did a Motown Philly. Uh, a while back, there was a Boom Boom chicken pizza where you took the Boom Boom sauce mm-hmm. from um, one of your fries, maybe the Yakuza yeah, fries. From the from the OG fries. From the OG the fries, sauce. yeah. You, you use that. Where does the inspiration for the mashed pizzas come from? You know, it's kind of all over the place. So we try and tie it somewhat, you know, seasonally on what's going on. So, you know, January is a cold month. Poutine makes sense for March. What we do in our, our Reuben pizza to tie in with St. Patty's Day and kind of that whole thing there. But it's, you know, it's, we've got a great general manager and kitchen staff and things like that where somebody has an idea and it's like, well, let's try it and see if it's good and come up with something. And that's kind of, you know, we'd had taco pizzas before, which was a guy who's just making it in the back, in the back, separate, not selling it to anyone, just for staff or people want to do it. And it was like, hey, this is pretty good. Let's throw this on for a month and see how it goes. And um, it's kind of everyone's chance where you get to be maybe a little creative or we partner with, um, we'll work with different breweries um, and have them come in and maybe play around with, you know, what could be something that would pair with this beer we've done, taking spent grains from some of the different breweries and folding the spent grains into the pizza dough, which kind of gives you kind of a, you know, more of a, not quite the same rise, a little denser with some of that texture of the spent grains within there and kind of a malty sort of taste in there where you can have fun with it. But it's, that's kind of the one where we just get to have fun and <laughs> be a little creative. But there's been a couple, like the mac and beer cheese was originally a a special we threw on um, kind of in our first year for kind of during Lent season to have something that didn't have um, meat on it for Fridays or things like that in Omaha. And then, uh, sold really well, and we were like, well, we should just throw this on the on the actual menu and make it a thing. So it's kind of also our the part of it where we can kind of play around with things and see what the response is and decide, hey, is this maybe something we should, you know, throw on the menu full-time? Are people asking for it? Do people really like it? Um, but ultimately, it's where we get to have fun. Mm-hmm. Going back to the opening of Backlot Tap House, I remember 
I think you were our first customer. I was. You were. Because I, and I'm, I'm about to go into this. <laughs> I was so excited because I'd been hearing about Detroit style pizza for probably seven or eight months. And I was just like, man, I really want to try this, but there's nowhere to have it. And then probably four or five months before you guys opened, I started seeing stuff about this backlot place. And I was like, whatever this is, I'm in. Like, I want to buy in immediately. I want to try it. I want to learn about it. And so I was so excited when you guys opened. I was bought in right away. But I'm in, I'm in a very, like, one person. Like, I have a yeah. food podcast. I, I'm obsessed about food. Most of your customers were probably not like me, where they're coming in with knowledge or they're coming in like, hey, I've seen Detroit style somewhere else. I want to experience it right. here. A lot of people, I think, like you said, probably just stumbled in and were like, hey, I saw the sign said pizza. I mm -hmm. want pizza. What is this? Like, what was kind of the over those first weeks and months, what was kind of that early reception? Did people, were were there more people like me who were like, hey, I saw this other places, or was it just kind of a general curiosity from the public? I think it was, you know, it was a combination of all of it. There were, you know, other people who, you know, had started following around when we started kind of teasing some stuff early on or some of our recipes or making little announcements that did follow along and were excited when we opened because they've had it before or something like that. And then you had the mix of, like I said, people from Detroit or a different connection to Detroit had discovered and were just couldn't wait to come in and try it. And those were always fun because you find little stories on, you know, in some bizarre fashion. We have a common, you know, their their aunt is friends with my aunt or grew up across the street or mm -hmm. things like that. So you have those. But then, yeah, I think it was a lot of general curiosity, right? You hear of Detroit-style pizza, and if you've never heard it before, you kind of just want to try it and see see what it's all about. And so you had a lot of those people coming in. And then Exarbon Village, you know, being on... UNO's campus and having the theater right next door, um, you know, that brings hundreds of thousands of people through those doors every year. And then Baxter Arena and the villages, you know, you know, before COVID was full of daytime workers and things like that and all these different office buildings. It was just, it was not an easy place. It was an easy place for people to kind of do just that and kind of wander in there and find a place that they previously didn't know was there, um, which those were the really fun ones or, you know, that space used to be Dudley's Pizza before it was us. And it was always fun where somebody would come, come in thinking they were going to Dudley's Pizza and hadn't realized that they had closed and we'd now reopened and flipped the place over. We turned it over pretty quickly. We took over the Sunday after Thanksgiving in 2019 and our first day open was January 7th. So like we flipped that thing Month really half, quick in yeah. there. Um, so, so quick that most people didn't realize that it even happened, but it was fun when those people would come in looking for Dudley's and have the opportunity on, well, don't leave. Let me show you what we've been working on and kind of go through, you know, I love Dudley's too. They had a really good their braided crust and everything, but bring in those people and being able to now kind of give them something new they weren't expecting is kind of a fun, you know, when somebody's kind of on their heels a little bit and can kind of blow their mind with some cool things. What do you remember most about that first day being open? No, it was just, it was, I think it was, uh, I'm tired. It was a long, <laughs> like those six weeks kind of ramping up. There were really long days in the space and, you know, rushing to get things ready. You know, I think that's the one thing, you know, there's a joke in, restaurant thing is you know what advice would you give to someone who wants to open a restaurant it's don't <laughs> and it's you know it's all those things coming ahead at the same time and then finally when it opens you know i think it was the coolest part was you know we've got pictures from the night and everything of you know finally being able to share what you had been working so hard on with other people and seeing people talk about it or smiling and taking pictures or wanting to talk to you about it um and being back on you know the line in the kitchen and actually making the peas and serving it up right it's it's easy when you have a friendly crowd of you know, making it at home for friends or things like that. But it's a little bit different when that finally that switch flips and you're making it and you realize that somebody is willing to, you know, spend their hard earned money or come into this establishment and hang out for a good time um, because they love what you're doing so much. And I think that's kind of a humbling, you know, experience and, and also just a payoff for, you know, for what was a lot of hard work in there trying to figure out what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Um how do you keep the momentum going as a new restaurant, especially one who kind of comes in and from at least from the outside, from what I saw, it felt like you guys hit the ground running. You had a lot of positive momentum right off the bat because this was new, this was unique and it was, and it was good. Like it wasn't just uh, a vanity thing. It was like, Hey, th this actually has something to it, but you don't want to be like that shiny new toy where all the foodies come in and they mm -hmm. get their pictures and they, you know, put everything on Instagram, and then they don't come back because they, they checked that box. How, as a restaurant, do you keep that early momentum going so people keep coming back again and again? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. I think, you know, again, that was, 
you know, COVID threw a giant wrench in, you know, what those plans were because it took, to your point, we did, we started really hot for the first six weeks and had really good buzz and then the world shut down, right? So when we were pulling out of it, it was almost having to restart and relaunch ourselves a second time, um, which is, you know, challenging in and of itself. But I think, you know, it's trying to do, continue to do fun things and trying to do events when we talk about like the mashed pizzas, right? I, the, mo- the best response we get from anything we post on social media is whenever we throw a new mashed pizza or something like that because it's, you know, it's something that's exciting or fun to talk about or tag other people in on going to try it. But it's, it's, I think it's just that not getting complacent and trying to still be creative and come up with new things you can do or is that adding different events? And we do a lot of, a lot of really cool beer events with a bunch of the breweries around town, whether they come in and do, you know, not independently of the pizza, the pizza's still there, but coming in and doing, you know, tap takeovers or, you know, playing bag toss with the brewers or competing in beer pong with different brewers and things like that. Um, and just continuing to do those fun events that get people in there. And with that, you know, being able to, you know, sample new people on this Detroit style pizza. And then, you know, I'm a pretty firm believer on, you know, once I can get you to have it, I can get you to have it a second time. So just getting those people in there and continuing to do those, those fun events or things going on in the village is great with, you know, the farmer's markets coming back onto the village side away from Baxter Arena this year. And all those events in that area just help bring people and eyes down to what we're doing. And then once I can get you to have a piece of pizza, then I know I can get you back. We've talked almost exclusively so far in this episode about pizza, but there is the tap house component of Mm -hmm. tap house. And we mentioned all the different taps. You've talked about the local brewers many, many times so far already and how you guys want to highlight not only the 313, but the 402. Mm -hmm. Why was highlighting those local brewers and those local beers so important to you? I, you know, I think just that the Omaha craft scene was one that was, you know, crazy, you know, growth at the time. And it was another one of those where if we looked around us, there was nobody, you know, you've got some in our part of town, there weren't a lot of people that were kind of really leaning into that space. It was kind of a, a gap on, you have a couple really good, you've got uh, the casual pine over at countryside village does a great job over there. But outside of them, there weren't many of us that wanted to go all in on that. And, you know, our background, whether it was the theaters and things like that was, we are to our core, a, you know, a locally owned business. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. There are few things that are more local than the local breweries. Right. I mean, they're like bootstrapped. They started in garages and started doing these things. And I think it's a natural partnership from what we're trying to do um, is very similar to exactly what they want to do and kind of be this, you know, not a you know community spot, but hyper local and lean into that community aspect on what we can do. And they were a logical partner for us. And we knew that, hey, if we partner with these guys, we could do some really cool things. We know that they're going to buy in and help us out as much as they can. That's kind of speaks to the different beer events we're doing. Like I said, where they come in and do takeovers, like they love to bring people in and sample them on different things they're trying or things they're playing around with. And, you know, we're doing the same thing. It seemed like a logical partnership at the time. Mm-hmm. Something you touched on a little bit earlier is backlot tap house. I, I love the way that you described it to it previously. It's like the, the food truck version of backlot pizza and kitchen, yeah. which was actually the second restaurant that you opened, I believe the idea was it for it to be the first and then that Dudley's space yep. opened up and so you wanted to go in there. What's different about Backlot Pizza and Kitchen? Yeah, so Backlot Pizza and Kitchen is, you know, it's a full service, you know, dining experience, you know, dining experience versus tap houses, you know, a little more casual, laid back. You order everything order at, at the, the bar. bar. You've got a number. We run the food out to you. You're playing board games. You've got beer towers. It's, it's a little more of that casual, fun experience. And then Backlot Pizza and Kitchen is, you know, you've got a, you've got a server. It's a little more, you know, quiet, a real dining experience. And then, you know, menu composition out there surrounding the pizza with, you know, burgers, sandwiches, pastas, salads, small plates, things like that. Um, have a little bit, you know, more of a well-rounded, not more well-rounded, but a more rounded menu with, with expanded offerings where we can be a little bit more out there just because of the space and, you know, designing that, that restaurant from scratch gave us a little more flexibility and, you know, what does the kitchen look like and how can we, you know, be able to serve this menu versus the tap house, you know, you kind of look at an existing space, your second guy, third guy, fourth guy in, there's some limitations in there and we couldn't do that same sort of menu at a place like that. It just wouldn't have worked in that, that layout. So it was, you know, that, that's probably the biggest difference is, you know, do that. But then, you know, out there too, I think it has, it's very much its own character on, you know, while the tap house is, is beer and pizza focused, 
out west, the pizza's, you know, major focus out there. Obviously, that's our we, what we lead with everything. But then the bar out there is, um, you know, crazy mixology, crazy cocktails. Um, I don't know if you know Inkwell Bar in Countryside Village. Tyler Schaefer, the owner there, um, kind of programs our entire bar for us out west at Backlot Kitchen. Does an amazing job, and it's fun to see. You know, you take that Detroit style pizza. When I talk about like the base of it is really, it lends itself to doing all these crazy different toppings or things like that. What's cool is that that pizza, it can also be surrounded in very different environments and still function, right? So you go to the tap house, it's, you know, served on a tray and you got plastic baskets of fries and beer and all that. And then you go out west and you can take that exact same pizza and surround it with these, you know, really interesting small plates. And, um, you know, Tyler's making a New Orleans Vucre, that, you know, cocktail that you've got going on with it. And I think it's cool to see that a pizza like that can live in both those worlds. But ultimately, it's the same, you know, pizza and the same reason why people keep coming back, but it's two very different experiences. I love how you've done such a good job in this episode of kind of pulling back the curtain on how the personality of a restaurant is created. Like, you know, you mentioned it at, at, at Backlot Tap House, there's the board games. You just said there's the the trays, there's plastic fry baskets, you know, it's order at the bar. Everything's very laid back. Like, that that it's somewhere you would go for trivia night or mm-hmm. something like that where – Backlot Pizza and Kitchen is more like, hey, let's, you know, let's let's go out for cocktails. Let's take the family out for dinner, that sort of thing. Not that you can't do that at right. at the other location, but it's just it's so cool to me. And that you have these two restaurants that kind of share the same name and and they're very connected, but just with these intentional tweaks, you can create an entirely new experience at each one. Yeah, and I think that's also the really fun part is playing around with those, you know, there's things I can do out west that I can't do down at the tap house and vice versa and be able to do, you know, we can do whiskey tastings out at, I guess we do whiskey tastings at both, but you know what I'm saying? There's things Mm -hmm. that we can do out there that might not play as well down in the village or vice versa. And with the movie theater, you know, attached out there, you're talking about, you know, crazy volume and a lot more families and those sort of things. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's a blast to kind of see the two of them take off and the response we've gotten from the community. And, you know, part of us was a little unsure on, you know, how is a community going to respond to bringing in, you know, an outsider, a Detroit style pizza. And are people going to gravitate to it like we did? And, you know, knock on wood, people still seem to keep coming back and enjoying it. And I think that's just been the most fun part. Is Detroit style pizza the sleeping giant of pizza styles? I, I think it is right now. There's, you know, there's all these crazy numbers and things like that where it was like three years ago nobody knew what it was true and now it's yeah. the number three most recognized style of pizza behind new york and chicago and that I, I think to your point it's a sleeping giant i don't think people realize still the growth that's coming from it you know it, we talk about pizza Hut doing short style pizza but once it hits to those levels and you start getting this mass thing and i know we still hear from you know i follow basically every detroit style pizza place across the country that i can find and they're popping up you know, every single week, it seems like a new one's coming on and everyone's doing these really cool, you know, everyone is, you know, we're all doing Detroit style pizza, but all very different and very unique and specific to the regions they're in or what this person wants to focus on or how they're, you know, surrounding their pizza with, you know, kind of what we talked about, whether it's in a, you know, tap house setting, or maybe it's just a quick surf setting or whatever it is. It's, it's really cool to see it take on this life of its own where it really is, you know, it's, it's starting to build up this, this notoriety that, you talk about it in the same sentence as Detroit style or Chicago style or New York style pizza, which is kind of insane for a pizza that was basically unknown largely just 10 years ago. What is it like for you personally to be a part of that movement? Because I mean, it's kind of crazy to think if not for you, Omaha would still be in the dark. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing like one of those cell phone commercials where they're showing like the coverage and like certain parts of the, the country are lights lit start up. Turn on. Yeah, exactly. And some are just like totally gray. If not for you, Omaha would be a gray spot. There would not be Detroit style pizza here. I would have no, like I would still be searching for that first opportunity <laughs> to, to try it. Drive a little further. Yes, a lot further. And I would probably be willing to do that, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. What What is it like for you personally, especially with the personal attachments that you have to Detroit style, to be the one who kind of turned on the light to Detroit style for Omaha? No, it's really fun. And I think it's a, you know, it is still relatively a smaller, you know, community compared to, you know, other things that are going on. And it's a, it's a fun talking point where you find somebody else or you go to like the national restaurant show or something like that. And you find somebody else is doing Detroit style pizza. And there's like that connection immediately where it's like, oh, you're in on the club how's you know how what are you what are you doing special or what are we doing and sharing stories and things like that but I think it is 
it's just that it's fun to be a part of that that kind of group of people that are you know love something so much that we're trying to share it with as many people as possible and there's you know nothing adds more credibility what you're doing than seeing that same sort of thing being done over and over again in different places just kind of helps reiterate and make you feel good that okay maybe I didn't make a crazy risky decision this this might actually work or (laughs) kind of take off and people seem to like it it's just like I said fun to be a part of that movement and kind of that community and seeing those people and getting to talk and tell people about the history of Detroit style pizza and you know conversations like this or being on podcasts and going you know here's why I love it here's why it's different and you know, that just keeps building on itself. Now more and more people know about it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that just continues to grow. And it is exciting to just see how far it's come in short, such a short amount of time. And I think, you know, you mentioned these other restaurants that you've seen popping up that are doing unique things that that's just going to further spark that movement. I, I hope to see it. All right. I got two questions that I like to ask all my guests before I let you out of here. One is, what is one thing about working in the restaurant industry or being a part of the restaurant industry that people, that diners who are outside of it don't know that you wish they knew? Um, I would say, that's a good question. We talk about that one a lot behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> I can only imagine. You know, I think it's understanding some of the stuff that's out of our control is probably the biggest thing. I mean, ultimately we can prepare and do things, but, you know, more so now than ever, it's, you know, truck shows up and we just didn't get what we thought was coming and having to pivot and be, you know, running to the grocery store and finding something that's kind of close or whatever it is, trying to, you know, do the best you can and put, patch this stuff together. And you come up with something that is, you know, still meets your standards of what we want to do and make sure that it's good and goes out there. But I think it's, you know, a lot of things are thrown at us and trying to be flexible and try and find those things. Um, and I think people are, if anything, I'd say the last 18 months, guests and you know the community understands those things more so now than ever and I think what we've seen out of this is you know the people who come in or you know talking to guests or things like that we've never had more you know enthusiastic and positive people who are not forgiving if you're making but you know they understand if something might take a couple extra minutes or you maybe have to charge a couple extra bucks or whatever it is um, they're just happy that we're kind of all in this and we're getting through this thing and they still get to get their Detroit style pizza and, you know, everything else that they were promised is still being delivered to them. All right. And to get you out of here on a positive note, what is your favorite thing about being in the restaurant industry? Ooh, I think, uh, being able to eat the pizza all the time. (laughs) You've got at your disposal, just this full kitchen and, you know, (laughs) kind of get a sample and experiment with those things. And then when the night's over, you know, especially at a tap house, get to have a beer with the staff and, things like that and talk about the night and what happened and then you wake up and get to do it all over again for for the listeners who can't see you look great by the way for a guy who <laughs> works at a pizza restaurant i feel like if i i would be at least 70 pounds heavier i just coffee. be sampling stuff on coffee that, that's the secret you just got to keep keep your motor going where you don't even have time to think about <laughs> there you go okay everyone that if you take away one thing from this episode it's that coffee will make you skinnier there you go somehow (laughs) anyway this has been fantastic mike i i really i really am a believer not only in detroit style pizza but in backlot tap house specifically you guys aren't just taking something new and just throwing a version of it out there and saying hey this is new come try it you are putting something out there that is really good. This is a good product, not just a new product. And I think that there's something really to be said to that. I would encourage anyone listening to this, get out, get the Detroit classic for sure. I feel like that's probably the best representation. That should be your start. Start yes. there and then kind of build on and then, try then some Then throw of the some beer ones. cheese yep. on there, throw some barbecue sauce on there, throw some poutine on there, have some there fun. But anyway, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, this thanks was for a having blast. me. It was fun to have this conversation with our first customer. <laughs> it was my pleasure. <laughs> Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.